You're tuned in to the Hidden Wire podcast. This is episode 906, my interview with Michael McQueen. Today, we're discussing how to prepare for what's next. Enjoy. G'day everyone, Lee Martinuzzi here, the Hidden Wire podcast. Hope you're well. This is a fantastic conversation today, guys. I hope you're well wherever you are in the world and I hope you're enjoying life and, and trying to navigate yourself through the change that we're all experiencing and uh, staying healthy and, and positive as, as you can be. Guys, these are uncertain times, but they're always uncertain times in life. And I think Michael McQueen, he's a perfect guest for this time that we're dealing with this major changes that are shifting everyone's lives. He is a, a multi-award winning speaker. He's a trend forecaster, and he's also the best selling author of eight books. He's been doing this for some time, 16 years, I think he said. And whilst there are a diverse range of topics that I could have talked about with Michael, we just focused on one today. And I'll, I have invited him back for a second round to talk about a couple of other topics uh, at some time in the future. But today we're talking about how to prepare for what's next, a very important conversation. I think we never know where the change might come from and what sort of form or shape or size it might come in, but we need to prepare our mindset and our culture and our ability, our toolbox, to deal with change when it does come. And that's what this conversation is all about. I really enjoyed it. I uh, recently saw Michael speak at a conference that I attended, and that's why I reached out to him to get him on the show. Very inspiring conversation, guys, and very thought-provoking. I hope you walk away with this and giving yourself a little bit time to think about some of these topics that Michael shares. Guys, enjoy this podcast and stay safe. Michael, welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good to be chatting. Mate, it's, it's fantastic to have you here. I heard you recently at your probably last conference, I think you just said, at the REIQ Summit here in Queensland and really enjoyed the conversation, really enjoyed the, the thought-provoking information that you shared. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, and pleasure. Mate, there is a, a number of different topics that we could talk to you about because um, you've got a very diverse collection of speaking topics, I suppose, but... Where has it all begun for you, first and foremost? Yeah, so I started, um, so 2004 was the sort of genesis moment for me in business. And I mm. initially, the, the, the interest for me was in speaking, research, writing. I'd always, and even as a young kid, I was one of these weird kids that almost wanted to know what I wanted to do from a, a childhood age. So at age eight, I vividly remember wow. um, being at a, I, I tagged along to a work conference with my parents because the babysitter fell through and I sat there as an eight-year-old watching this speaker at a conference venue in Melbourne just capture the attention of an audience for an hour and there were 3,000 people or something there and I just I was transfixed as a kid and thought that's what I want to do you know and from that point on was that was my that was always looming on the horizon as a thing I was working to I'd love to be able to be a speaker and a writer so a very random odd that is, isn't it, at such a young age? <laughs> an ambition for. So I finished university, did a commerce degree, very generic sort of thing, which was useful in that it was broad and could apply in lots of different areas. And I finished that, was sort of thinking, okay, well, now could I maybe look at how I get into that world that I've always been interested in from a research and speaking and writing perspective? Met a few people who said, yeah, I mean, the, the pathway in is you've got to find something you're an expert in. And I was only 22, so you can't be a credible expert in much, really, at 22. So I thought, well, <laughs> What, what can, what, in what way can my youth be of value? And I thought what's interesting is the topic at, the mo at that time that was really, I guess, quite vexing for a lot of organizations and industries that was really hot in the media was this generation gap, the battle between ba baby boomers and Gen Xs and Gen Ys. And <clears throat> being 22, I was in the Gen Y category, and I thought, well, 
I'm in this group. This is probably an asset if I can be a Gen Y voice in the discussion, which is often dominated by older people talking about Gen Y. What about if I position myself as that? And the real gap for me was um, I could see that no one was actually teaching Gen Ys how older generations were thinking. And so I thought this is going to be a two-way street. So that's where I started. I basically um, left a full-time job with a company car and a company credit card and all those nice things. I was only a couple of years into a career in the IT world. And I thought I was going to start, um, you know, put my shingle out and start a, a company to run programs in schools to essentially help younger generations understand how older generations think so that when they get their first job or whatever, they know how to play the game. So mm. I, um, so that's where I started, spent three and a half years doing that and then wrote the first book about generation gaps and generational change back in 2007 or 8, I think it was. Yeah, well. And that was on the back of, you know, three and a half years of working with 80,000 Gen Ys. So I had this huge sample set that I could draw from saying, you know, this is essentially where youth culture is at. If you want to engage with them as your future staff, your future customers, this is how to do it. So it all just went from there. The journey is incredible, isn't it? Hey? <laughs> it is. It's, it's always so linear when you look back, isn't it? At the time, when you're looking forward, it doesn't look linear. You're sort of wandering around just pushing yeah. on doors to see what the opportunities are. But in hindsight, there is a linear nature to it, which is always sort of gratifying that everything had a sense of purpose to it. Um, and yeah, I just just took a while to find my feet and like everyone you once you sort of find your topic that you really mm. that's the right topic for you in the right time it that's when things really start to hum yeah and a number of different topics that you've researched now and the one yeah. i want to talk about today is um preparing for what's next yeah um and i suppose it's a, a futurist sort of topic isn't it but um with it everything is, that's yeah. going on right now i guess it's really timely as well well, it is, and how embarrassing, isn't it, to be in that area as one of the futurists, you know, and like I'd, I get called on constantly in the media to make predictions about what's happening in industries and technology, and, and like all my colleagues, we mm. none of us saw this. No. <laughs> none of us picked the pandemic. Um, I mean, Bill Gates did back in 2005, yeah. that TED Talk, if, you have, if you've seen that, yeah. it's just extraordinary. I mean, he, he, he knew that this could be a possibility, and I think I'd always imagined, actually had, had consciously thought of, what would, what would a pandemic mean for my business? So I've always tried to diversify content topics, modalities, because I think we saw SARS, we saw MERS, you know, we saw there was that there were disruptions related to those. So I sort of preempted those a little bit. And I, I, I talked about them in general terms with clients over the years. But the idea of facing a society-wide shutdown and mm. putting an economy into hibernation, there is no rule book for this. And I think that's what's been so full on for all of us. And I, I, was, I was in London just before this really started to go crazy. So I was in London and doing a tour. You'll love this. It was a walking tour called um, Plague, Pestilence and Fire, you know, London <laughs> throughout the centuries. And, yeah, they went to all the hot spots where, you know, the plague hospitals were and the makeshift morgues. And, I mean, they were all pretty fascinating, a bit sad, but mm. quite fascinating. And, mm. you know, talking about plagues, and there was almost an offhanded joke by the, um, by the walking tour guy, you know, hey, who knows, maybe you're on the cusp of another one of these and everyone in the group chuckled, not knowing that, honestly, two weeks away, we're going to face something that would be as disruptive yeah. as that. And that's yeah. how quickly it's happened. So it is pretty extraordinary. It is. So when you talk about, you know, preparing for the future, what, what is the topic of interest for you? Like, is it is it about um, helping yourself and other businesses really protect themselves through uncertainty and change or you know yeah, i think it's that yeah that that's the stuff that fascinates me most is the whole, the whole question i'm not just identifying the trends because i um i'm not a geek i'm not a technology person i you know any of my friends laugh when they <laughs> you know when they talk about just that how i mean i still have and i'm looking at it as we speak an old school 
Swiss watch. Like I don't have a smart watch. I don't use every latest gadget. I use what I need to make life work, but I'm not obsessed with or entranced by technology. So I'm not one of those okay. technology geeks. Hmm. What I'm more interested in is what is the impact of any number of changes, be they technological, social, demographic, marketplace shifts, what is the impact of those on organizations, their relevance, their viability in the marketplace? And rather than just tracking the, the latest bright, shiny objects, because that's pretty tempting in the future as well. There's always a new a new deployment of robotics or artificial intelligence or nanotechnology, and they're really fascinating. And so I do watch, I, I keep an eye on them because they are interesting, but hmm. it's so easy to get so drawn in by all the latest things to actually step, to not realize you need to step back from that. The bigger question is, regardless of what changes, how do you build a culture within an organization right. and a mindset within you know the leadership team so you're, building, you're asking the right questions? So you are you're in a posture so that you can respond quickly when things change rather than just focusing on the specific changes themselves because the very nature of disruption and I think we're living in it right now is the changes that disrupt you most are ones that you can't necessarily predict mm. but you need to be able to be able to respond quickly when they happen and so having a culture and a mindset that's what I love to focus on around identifying okay. the future is getting ready for it. So this culture and mindset, I, I, I feel that with everything that can be not only applied to a business sort of sense, but also to an individual or life perspective as well. Definitely. Well, I think the reality is, and I think what we're, what we're discovering in, in the last few weeks is that the barriers between life and life at work and life outside of work are coming down and they have been coming down for for decades now, and in the last few years, this has really accelerated. I mean, the reality is mm. for any leader is you need to bring more of you to work. You yeah. know, we can't just come to work and be, you know, someone who just does my job, the bare minimum, you know, that transactional work. But in the past, in the in the era of assembly lines and factory work, that's what you did. You came to work and you switched off as a human. You became robotic. Yeah, right. But I think what we're seeing now is we need to bring much more of ourselves to work, and now we're seeing our work come home. So the, the barriers between work and life are increasingly murky and so the question then is don't how do not just how do i get myself and my business professionally ready for the future but how do i get myself as an individual what can i be learning how do i stretch myself in terms of the skills i'm developing but more importantly how do i have a mindset so that when stuff goes sideways and it has for hmm. most of us i mean i think of my clients i would say there's only 10 percent of my clients who right now are like you know what society's weird, but business is fine. You know, mm. people in the public service, people in pharmaceuticals, some of them are having a reasonably okay time right now. The rest of us are scrambling. So when this happens, how do you have a mentality where you focus on the things you can control, where you don't get into the victim cycle and just go, this this just sucks and I hate it and all the stuff that we can get so wrapped up in that actually there's nothing creative that comes from it. It's not It's not that it's not valid. I mean, it, this does suck and it's not fair. And for a lot of us, there's grief and there's anger and mm. there's all this, the, yeah. the whole range of emotions. But the thing is, how do you have the mental skills and tools so that when, they, when those things hit, you don't get sucked into that vortex? And for all of us, having those skills and mindsets you know, in the bank, ideally, you know, knowing what they are so that when times get tough, you can draw on them. And doesn't mean you get it right all the time, but hopefully you've got the mentalities personally and professionally so that when disruption happens, you can you can bounce. So it's can, like having a, a bit of a toolbox quickly. so you're ready for, for whatever change might come. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. What, um, and we talked about this, I mean, the, when this COVID-19 crisis, it sort of was a week and I was sort of a bit relaxed about it all and then it suddenly kicked in and I think there was this period of like a week or two, probably two weeks, um, including myself and a lot of people I know, just went into this sort of state of shock and disbelief yep. of what's going on. 
and I consider myself quite a positive, optimistic sort of person. Um, I'm very driven by routine, and, and yeah. I've got a discipline around those routines. And this sort of shock has disrupted my routine, and yep. you know, it's definitely altered um, my mindset as well on how to, to best deal with this. And it wasn't until sort of last week where I've just started to go, hang on, this is what I can do, and this is how I've always done things. I just need yep. to do it a little bit differently, but... That's it. How can you like? What What do you offer as far as preparing our mindset for for certain changes like the one we're experiencing now? Well, I think that some of the things I encourage clients to constantly be aware of is to focus on the periphery. You know, how do you make sure you're always on the lookout for things that can catch you off guard? And that's not just in mm. terms of a virus, but that is in, in, in any industry. The very nature of disruption is that you know these things will come in ways we don't expect, and mm. so. Um, I think that the, the twin dangers for any of us are complacency and arrogance. You know, when you think, you know, we've been around for so long or I've been so successful for so long or whatever it is when we think we've, we've sort of arrived. Yep. And you know, the old saying is true, the moment you think you've made it, you've passed it. Um, and none of us can ever get to the point where we think we've got the winning formula, the winning solution. And I think what that this is what, you know, the COVID crisis has shown us is that life can change and has changed radically and so in this moment, all of us who thought we were all set in our in our strategies and plans and business models, they've been thrown out the window. And mm. so the people that have been able to adjust most quickly have been those who go, all right, cool, this is not my plan. It wasn't how I'd choose it. But, you know, I'm humble enough to realize I now need to learn different stuff um, and that, you know, I can't be complacent for a moment here. I need to adapt quickly. And I think those who've, st- who've been stuck in the mode of trying to preserve the way things were out of that sense of complacency or arrogance perhaps like you know we, we, we had it we had we had it down pat so we'll just mm. ride this out wait till things return to normal they're the ones who will pay the biggest price from this because they're the ones who because of their mentality are not responding quickly enough and so the, the beauty of focusing on the you know what i often refer to as healthy paranoia you know that sense of always looking over your shoulder what what are the disruptions that are coming mm. yeah i think that keeps you on on your a-game and the two things that it leads to even before a crisis like this emerge are um, hunger and humility and other two most important attributes for agility responding to disruption is when you're humble enough to realize you don't know everything and when you're hungry enough to have that desire to to grow to change what's yeah. next what's the next level the next the next opportunity and i think for any of us how do we constantly try and, and foster hunger and humility and i think that's been the thing that's been most um, helpful for me in the last week or two having shifted out of that mode of shock and i think you know, actually grief would be the word i would describe grief, I think, yeah, okay. honestly i went through about two weeks and i was like properly grieving everything that had been lost you know and there was a lot that was lost and i think for a lot of businesses right. there is a grief involved so once you move past grief it's going to be then huge you can hey? get into creative mode and the creative mode really requires again hunger and humility like i spent all day yesterday learning how to set up this studio from like essentially a broadcast mini tv studio from yeah. my home studio here and you know what? I don't want to do that. I've never, I don't have an interest in it. I've never wanted to really sink my teeth into that sort of work, but I just got to suck it up, yeah. humble myself and go for now, this is what I've got to do. And you know, the, of course you could, you know, sit back and go, I, I, I don't do that. That's not my skill set. Hey, by all means, but if you want to put food on the table, this is what is required right now in my yeah. industry at least. And so yeah. for all of us, that hunger and humility, how do we grow, change, set some new goals, and they're going to be different to what we had in mind. But I think that's what we're going to all have to do over the next few months. And I think you, you sort of discussed this in, in your recent um, talk that I attended. And the opposite of complacency being hunger 
and mm. arrogance being humility. Yep, that's right. And I think you see a lot of businesses that do, and individuals that, like myself included, have become complacent from time to time. Um, and then so we need to find, again, that hunger um, yep. and, and maintain a level of humility, which I don't know if is easy or not for everyone. I think myself quite humble, um, to be honest. I think that's what's helped me keep pushing through changes and um, adversity in my life. And certainly yeah. this hunger as well. But the, where does the hunger come from? Because what you just said then, you know, you said I have to suck it up and this is not really what I want to do. But if I want to keep putting food on the table, yeah, then this is what I've got to do. So you've had yeah. that, that humility there um, and still that hunger. And I guess yeah. that hunger for me seems to come from a sense of impact. You want to have impact. And yeah. it's your yeah. sort of hidden why, I suppose. But can you explain that a little bit better for us? I think, for, for, I mean, you can either be drawn or driven. And mm. so, you know, that sense of being drawn forward, you know, by a compelling vision of what's possible, um, yeah. a goal that you've set out in front of you. And essentially, it's almost like it, it's so far out from you, it creates a vacuum between it and you, which draws you forward. And mm. so that hunger can either come from being drawn toward a vision or driven by sometimes healthy fear, like if I don't do this, <laughs> um, again, no food on the table type thing. Or if I don't do this, I'm going to just lose relevance in the marketplace. Um, and so th- there can be a, sometimes a, a, a negative push, which is, you know, you don't want to rely on that entirely, but that idea of being driven to make sure you don't fall behind or fall away or lose relevance. I think the thing that was useful for me this week, I mean, just even going mm. back to the example of setting up the studio, is I, I dialed into a, a teleconference this week with a colleague in the States who showed what his setup is. And, you know, his studio setup, he's probably sunk tens of thousands of dollars into it. And he's yeah. got multiple camera angles and lights. And just seeing that made me go, wow, that is best practice. And what he's yeah, doing well. is is extraordinary. And I think just seeing that created that big gap between where my head was at. Like I, I was sort of thinking, how do I just cobble a few bits together in terms of the technology and the gear I've got to make something work a bit better than it was? And I saw that and thought, wow, okay, if that's where a colleague of mine is at, the gap between what I was thinking would be what I can do and what's actually probably going to be best practice in the industry is so great. That's what sparked my, okay, I've got to just knuckle down and figure this out. So I think that hunger can come from so many different things and sometimes it's drawn, sometimes it's driven. But I like way, that, yeah. yeah I think and I guess there's a balance there, isn't there? Always a balance, yeah, absolutely. Because I think what you just said then is you had this, you're driven by the fear of, you know, the, the, you know, loss of like, income, etc. Yes, yes, yeah, And then you've you've connected with your friend in the states, and that vision then has grown, and that's, that's probably exactly you know both together have propelled you forward, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love the idea of really, I just love these conversations. I think it's really important to just talk about this, but also spend time in reflection. Do you have practices in your daily routine where you allow yourself time to think because I feel this is where a lot of people um, including myself will get it wrong we just don't give ourselves the time of the day to really spend you know a couple of hours even thinking yeah you know yeah oh gosh I mean a couple of hours would be nice um, wouldn't it I, mean, I think I think a couple of hours is probably reserved for the Dalai Lama really um, I, I, I managed to get about half an hour it's hmm. realistically what I get but I try to do it every day what does so that look for like me, my daily routines of Reflection and thinking are primarily in journaling format. Um, I remember reading okay. years ago someone, and it was this quote, and it's one of these quotes that was, I don't know who it was from. It was one of those people that's you know often quoted, um, you know, William James or someone like that. They're one of these people that's, you know, the father of modern psychology or someone famous that 
the quote was, "Great men always are always journalers. Oh, they always keep journals." And I mean, which is quite sexist, really, that idea of only great men doing that. But that was the quote. And I remember at the time it struck me. I thought, "Well, I'd like to do something great. I would like to be significant." I was a teenager at the time. I remember reading that, and thought, "Well, okay, if that's what it takes, I'm just going to do it." And so I've been a journaler pretty much since then. I would have been about 16 years old at that point. So I have boxes and boxes yeah. and boxes full of journals in our garage that. I don't actually know what I'll do with them. I mean, they're probably terribly embarrassing, some of the stuff, and you'd look back at your journals from your early 20s and things. You've got um, kids, but, don't you? Oh, it'd be shocking. Um, but, yeah, that, that journaling mm. process, and I do about half an hour a day. So the journaling for me is so journal for what's half an going hour. on. Yeah, about half an hour. So I journal what's okay. going on, what I'm learning. For me, so faith is a huge part of what, I guess, drives me. You know, going to this idea, idea of the hidden why, a big, a big thing that – draws and drives me as faith. So I spend a lot of time praying as, as part of my journaling process. Okay. So that to me is a really helpful daily routine. And, you know, going to your point before, what I've struggled a bit with in the last few weeks is my typical journaling time is um, taxing to the runway. I mean, because I catch, when, when I'm in normal mode, I'm in four states a week, three states a week. So I'm yeah, constantly yeah. traveling. And mm. often quick trips, I like, I love being home. I love my family. So I don't, I'm not away for very long, but I'm, I'm on the road a lot. So that sort of 40 minutes from when they close the doors, taxing to the runway where no one can call you, no one can email you, that's, that's my journaling time. Journaling and I've time, noticed yeah, that okay. I'm not doing that now. I'm, my wings are clipped. You know? So I'm, what I'm, I'm used <laughs> to that rhythm of life being that's when I have time to, to yeah, journal yeah. and think. And so I think that's, um, that's something that I've, I've missed and I'm trying to find, as you know, going to your point before, find new ways to have that daily routine. Hmm. But I'd also say you know, one of the things that, and interesting, of course, we're talking in a podcast format now, I'd also encourage people not to spend too much time in podcasts, listening to music, watching Netflix. So I, I, I look around me on planes mm. and I spend so much time just looking out the window, just thinking. Like I, 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 yeah, it's I'm a really still, good point. I'm mm. not someone who fills my ears with stuff all the time. Yeah. I just don't. And part of it's I'm just not in the habit of it. Often I, I'll be on a flight to you know Perth or Darwin or something and it'll be a three-hour flight. And I think, gosh, I wish I had about four or five podcasts downloaded, but I just don't think to do it. What it means then is I, I often have lots of time driving on planes where I just unplug and that's where I have my best thoughts. And so I think we've also got to create space. You know, there's this great quote uh, from a, a professor in the business faculty at Yale. He says, you know, great ideas rarely interrupt us. And it's true. You know, you've got to create space and time for thinking and for being creative. And I yeah. think it's important that we, that we do that. I like that. And it's something that I'm quite conscious of in the last week or two, just how glued I am to my phone. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, you know, it's about putting that because I had a quite a good practice um, previously. Obviously, my business, I'm sort of on the go with that regards. Mm. But um, you do, you'd get quite hooked on it. And, and I'm a very big consumer of podcasts and, and audio books as well. Yep. Um, so it seems like every time I'm in a, a commute, walking, driving somewhere, there's something noise in, in, the, in mm. the background, you know which does disrupt the, uh, the thought. So I think that's a yeah. great, great thing to take away from this. Um, with, with people, individuals out there, and I, I suppose, you know, talking about what we've been used to as far as having a job, going to work, doing our job, coming home, and life goes on, the way we do things now is, is definitely changing. Do you see that as a big issue going forward? Are there going to be a lot of people that are, that are hard done by because they just aren't that sort of person? 
Yeah, it's a really good point because I think even this discussion about working from home, I mean, just because the technology is there <laughs> does not mean it's that we're going to be able to do this effectively. I mean, just because you can Zoom into your team from home doesn't mean that you're mm. going to be productive in a home environment. Yeah. There are people, and I'm not one of them, so I, 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 I speak about this, I guess, theoretically and just from observation of colleagues right now, but there are people who are just so extroverted, working from home day after day is doing their heads in. Um, and like the idea of not having people contact, not being all the incidental conversations of social interactions, you know, it's for, for a lot of people, that's how they work best. And so I think one of the things we're realizing is it's not just going to be an equity issue of the haves and the have-nots. It's going to be the fact that some of these new ways that we're having to work over the next few months just don't suit everybody. And now, this is the thing, as I say, theoretical, because it suits me down at the ground. I'm, I'm basically pretty introverted, really. I'm super happy on my own, with my own thoughts, yeah. working in isolation. And I've had a home office for you know 12 or 13 years. So I've, I'm, this is nothing new to me at all. But for people who are extroverted and who've never worked from home, it's a huge adjustment. And I don't think we can underestimate that. No. I've spoken to a lot of people this week that, um, you know, mum and dad are working from home and they've got kids mm. there and they're oh, just yes. doing their head in, you know. Oh, um, yeah. I'm sort of used to it as well and I, I can handle that myself. But I can imagine for people that can't, that's that's quite a challenge. Yeah. But yeah. then the other thing is is having that, that, that ability to adapt, um, you know, and continue – to learn and grow because things are changing more and more rapidly, it seems. Yeah. Um, and how are we, you know, not being complacent with that? And I think that's where all of us um, could come unstuck. Yeah, definitely. And I think the reality is there's a lot of good stuff out there that we're being forced to now learn. I mean, it's funny how all that time management stuff that was also 80s and 90s, you know, back when time management was, you know, there were so many books and speakers and seminars mm. about time management. I actually think we're we're now discovering we need to almost go back and relearn some of the old daggy stuff because yeah. at the moment we have to manage our own schedules. We have to manage our own time. And I think the thing that we're seeing more and more now is, um, and this is something that I, I wrote a book a few years ago on um, momentum. How do you build momentum personally and in business? Yeah. It's funny how the last few weeks that content from that book that's probably three or four years old now, it is more relevant now than it's ever been because you know, a lot of the stuff in there is not just about time management, but if you want to, build momentum, get into a flow state. It's about energy management. And energy management is more important than time management, particularly when you're working from home and all your normal routines have been um, stuffed around. Um, yeah, so one of the things that I'm finding that is really resonating with clients now um, in terms of how do we learn some of these skills is a thing. And if people um, are listening and want to have a look online, there's a, a YouTube clip I put up called The Productivity Blueprint. And okay. it's some of the stuff I've picked up over the years of just working with really high capacity high output people around how they use their schedules and their time to make the most of their energy and their focus mm. um, and so it's all about the, the way you structure your day the way you structure mm. your time and yeah. it's not it's not rocket science but gosh it, it really helps it and does, so if people yeah. want to have a look there, there's a, a youtube clip called the productivity blueprint up on my youtube channel blueprint. and um it's just i think these are the things that we're we're, we're being forced to relearn or, or learn for the first time in some cases Mate, fantastic. I know we've got some time constraints today and that was actually the uh, the second point of conversation that I wanted to delve into is mastering momentum and perhaps mm. we can get you on for another round sometime down the track. Um, but I do appreciate the conversation today. Very thought-provoking um, and, okay. and inspiring, I think. So I appreciate yeah, it. I'm glad it was helpful. Thanks so much. I'm glad to have the chance to catch up. Mate, and people can reach you just by going to your, your website. Is that michaelmcqueen.net? Yeah, so my website's, yeah, michaelmcqueen.net. Yeah, okay. then they can find the whole 
I'll pile of stuff up there. Video, there's a video channel on my site, lots of blog posts, all that jazz. So, yeah, hopefully there's some useful stuff up there. I'm sure there will be, Matt. I'll stick the links in the show notes, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Reach out to Michael. This is episode 906, so you can find all the show notes up there at thehiddenwire.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon